Hey everyone, this is Christopher Luxon, the former CEO of Air New Zealand. This is John Lee Dumas, the founder and host of Entrepreneurs on Fire. This is Tracy Ibarra. I'm an executive solutions at Dell Technologies. This is Travis Chappell, founder of Build Your Network. If you are wanting to learn how to embrace change, to navigate through disruption as a leader, then listen to the Leadership is Changing podcast. The Leadership is Changing podcast. The Leadership is Changing podcast with my good friend, my very good friend, Dennis Giannoutsos. Welcome to Leadership is Changing. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change. This is taking your leadership to another level by finding the balance between executive excellence and personal well-being through stories that inspire real change. It's time to adapt in our fast-moving world when leadership is changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsos. Yeah, and so what made you want to get into podcasting? You know, it was a couple of things, man. I, I I found the conversations really interesting. I I felt like I had a knack for writing in college and in high school, but I never enjoyed it, if that makes sense. So I felt like I had like a inclination toward being okay with it. I think I think that I was I think that I was decent at organizing thoughts onto paper. And I just realized it because I would read other people's papers in college and be like, oh well, you know, they clearly didn't put near as much effort into this or or I'm just a little bit better just naturally at it. And so I think I, th- I think I had a natural uh, proclivity toward being good at, at, at stuff like that. But I had zero I had zero inkling or zero desire to start a blog or start writing and things like that. And I just kind of realized podcasting is for basically just an audio blog. And it still would it, it what I what I really liked about it, though, was that I could travel around. I didn't have to be in one location in order to be able to do it, which gave me which gave me location freedom, location independence. I, it could be on my own time, which was time freedom and independence. And it was an unlimited income potential. The 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 only thing that limits the amount of money that I can make is myself and my personal development and my skill sets and my knowledge and the application of that of those skill sets and knowledge. The only thing that holds me back is me. There wasn't like a, a, a commission cap. There wasn't a, a salary or something like that, that that held me back from making as much as I wanted to make. So there was a lot of freedom involved with it, but also it just seemed interesting, seemed fun. And I also knew that I didn't know anybody at the time that could help me with any of the things that I wanted help with and 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 help propel me to the next step of, of, of my career. And so podcasting gave me the perfect excuse to talk to all those people and have conversations with them and build in, in my own network and get to know a lot of, you know, industry leaders and, and shakers in, in that regard. So yeah, there, there was a lot of, there's a lot of reasons. There's a lot of boxes that it checked off. Yeah. Yeah. And so that hence why the name of build your network is the podcast to help you learn how to build or actually build your network while also building others and helping them to do it too? Yeah, basically, I just, I, I, I knew there were two things there. There was the first thing that I was going to talk about was going to be sales because that was the only thing that I really knew about. I was just going to kind of default into, well, I can talk about sales, you know, and talk about different lessons that you learn in sales. So I go to iTunes and I type in the word sales and I find like, you know, only 20,000 podcasts that are dedicated to sales and learning how to sell better. And so I was like, well, I, I don't know much about this world, but I know that if I don't niche, if I don't niche down a little bit more, that I'm going to be lost in the noise. So I knew that sales wasn't going to be the thing. 
But then I just kind of went back to the drawing board because I was like, that's really my only real translatable, interesting skill set. Like something that people actually want to learn would be learning how to sell. And that's the only thing that I really know. So if I'm not going to do a podcast on that, what am I going to be able to do a podcast about where people are actually going to give me the time of day to listen? And that was when I started to realize that not all podcasters starting out as being the expert. They just started out as being the investigative reporter that was able to find interesting things about a topic or industry and report them back to an entire audience of people who maybe were just too busy to find out all that information for themselves or distill that information to be applied into multiple types of businesses. And that's when I started realizing that. So that's when I, that's when I thought about the, the, I thought about networking. I thought, you know, the only, the only way that I've had success in sales is by getting around mentors and people who've already done it and can show me how to do it. So I was like, there's gotta be something to that thing. Like if I could get around anybody and learn from them for for any length of time, I, their skills and knowledge and information just would I couldn't help but have those things rub off on me just from being around those people. So I figured, well, what's a better way to learn those skill sets? Like that's a that's a hack to learning any skill set, not just sales. You can just get around people who do it the best and learn from them. Then you can do it the best in a much shorter period of time without making, uh, with with while while making a fraction of the percent of, of the mistakes that those people had to make along the way to figure it out. So that's when I just had you know let's let's do this networking thing. But I thought that was going to be just as saturated as sales, but to my surprise, it just wasn't. I, I typed it in iTunes and nothing else came up. Nobody was talking about that specific thing. So it just kind of seemed like well, that seems like a pretty pretty good blue ocean to fill, you know. Yeah, wow. And, you know, a lot of leaders I work with around the world, they, one of the areas that they sort of neglect is networking. They may do that network within their own little bubble in the sense of their team or their organization, their company. But outside of that, and even within the company, they struggle to cross silos, if I can put it that way, business units. But then they just don't build the network. And then some of them go and leave the organization because of retrenchment or redundancies and things like that. And it's too late. And they have to try and start from ground zero, right, to get on with things. And so it's a little bit difficult for them. So I think that, you know, the topic that you're talking about is, is tremendous. And, you know, listening to some of your episodes, fantastic information being shared by people. And and, it, and what I also liked is the fact about, you know, learning off others and that. So it's really, really cool. Who Who is your favorite leader? In other words, somebody could be alive today, could be from history, but who is your favorite leader and why? That's a good question, man. I... I've thought I've given this a little bit of, of thought before, and I really somebody that I look to that is not alive anymore that I think was just a tremendous leader was Winston Churchill. I think that he was an amazing leader. I think that I think that Marcus Aurelius was an amazing leader, and reading more and understanding about his life and the things that he was dealing with all the time. I think that he was an amazing leader, and you know, I think I think that there's a, a lot of examples of really good leaders today as well. But those are two of the ones that really stick out into in my mind of the people that I've you know spent a little bit of time studying and and people that I admire that are in history. Hey, what What did you learn from Winston Churchill? Why, why him? The resolve in the midst of chaos is something that I just truly admire in somebody else. And that is something that he very much embodied in the time frame that that he was living in and the struggles that he was, you know, that he had to lead his people through during during that time period, I think is just extremely admirable that he was able to keep a level head and uh, and rest on his his ability to lead and not freak out and 
and make really poor decisions. And, and I think I just think that he handled it with extreme, you know, poise and 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 level headedness that I don't think is very common. It seems anymore to to be able to like un like. De de dramatize a situation almost where he like literally the world is in disarray and we're in the middle of world wars and he's just seems to be as calm as ever you know what I mean like I just I just really respect that resolve and and that ability to lead people through times like that without making the mass hysteria worse than it really is. Vince, welcome to today's call. Thanks for having me, Dennis. Excited to to be with you. Excellent. So, so Vince, let's just start off with a little bit about your background, please. Just tell us a little bit about who you are and what your background is and, and you know, what you're inspired to do in the future. Well, I'm, I'm a, as you said, I'm a leadership advisor. I spend my days working with senior leaders, helping them really think about what's the leadership that their organizations are going to require uh, currently and in the future, and really help them get clear on that and help them build it. So it's really about how do you scale leadership across a company, particularly when a company has to deliver on a significant strategic mandate. That's essentially what I've always done. I've also held leadership roles myself. And uh, in running a leadership business, uh, you lead leadership gurus and experts. So uh, you think uh, your leadership role is challenging. Try leading leadership experts. (laughs) Every day is a 360 exercise, whether you want it to be uh, or not. And I've always, you know, done, conducted research uh, through my graduate work and, and, and whatnot. So bring kind of that research perspective, the consulting experience, and then the lived experience. Uh, and I've written extensively. So uh, leadership is a passion. And for me, it began early in my career when I had uh, the glimmer of working with someone who I thought was a great leader. I, I realized the impact she had on me and the organization. And then we lost her because she succumbed to lung cancer, which I found out later from her, she believed came on because she worked in a toxic management culture. And that for me early in my life was an impetus to do this work. Wow. Yeah. So that toxic environment, how, I mean, that's uh, just tell us a little bit more about how important that is and actually understanding a little bit about the environment that you're working in and how it actually impacts us a lot. Well, you know, back then, uh, you know, when I was in my early twenties doing that work and you know, hearing from her, her experience as a senior manager in a toxic environment. I was a young employee. I, it was a world I was completely oblivious to because I never saw the senior managers really working uh, together. But she just described the infighting, the backstabbing, the sabotaging. And I think uh, at the time, I always questioned, well, did that really impact her health? Well, now, many, many years, if not decades later, the research is clear. Uh, we know the impact that a stressful, toxic environment can have on one's health. And, and so what I've learned, and I think through that experience, I learned, you know, one of the most important decisions a person makes is who's the leader uh, or manager that they work with. And if it's going to be a bad or mediocre or toxic manager, you need to run away because, uh, you know, it could impact your health. And I've seen it happen, not just in that colleague, but in so many other people over my career. And so, Leaders have the power to create a great culture or a negative culture. It's a, it's, a, it's a ripple effect they have in either ways. And really what I try to do is help leaders understand what culture is, how they create it every day through their behaviors, and how to create the best possible culture. Because when you do, people elevate themselves to, to levels you never could have imagined. 
Yeah, yeah, wow. And and, and I know that in your book that uh, the leadership contract, you talk about the culture side of things and and how there's it's really quite interesting to see how the leaders bring that to life. And I've seen that as well myself over the years that where you know what leaders talk about or say, do they actually live it as well? Do they actually bring it to life and actually do do it, or is it just lip service, which is quite interesting to watch? That disconnect between what we say and what we do, I think employees mm. are always watching that. And we see it play out right now, even in the political sphere, right? As we're looking at political leaders of prominent countries and how are they stepping up at this critical time? And, you know, uh, uh, I even see it, you know, as a parent when, uh, you know, I think it's ingrained in us as humans. I, I just always remember my kids when they were really, really young, they're always kind of sniffing out that integrity between what you say and what you do. And if that's, there's a good alignment there, then they're feeling okay. They're, they're going to go along. But if they don't, if they don't say it, they're going to rebel, right? So you see it in young kids that the sense of wanting that integrity. Yeah, so it's, it's interesting. So it's like how are you showing up as a leader and, and are we being judged as a leader all the time and and what we do, how we say it, and uh, it's really interesting. And even down to the tone of voice that we may use with people, which is which is very interesting. Hey, Vince, who is your favorite leader? Now, that leader could be somebody who's alive today or could be someone from history, you know, um, and, and why are they your favorite leader? You know, it's such a tough question to answer because there's so many people to admire. I, I don't know if I could pick uh, just one, uh, but if I were to pick one, it wouldn't come from history or or whatnot. I mean, there's different leaders who I admired for different things, but my colleague Zinta had a had a huge imprint on me early in my career. The, the person who I referenced, she was a senior manager. She was always someone who would lift her people up and she would always be in the background. And, and she was so deliberate in how she led. If you ever went into her office to meet her, she would immediately stop what she were do, doing, turn around, look at you eye to eye, put her hands on her on her lap and basically communicate, I am here and listening to you 100%. She wasn't distracted by anything else. It was something that I just, you know, what I realized is I just observe those things in a very subtle way. And I think that's what sometimes we don't appreciate as leaders. And it's hard to do when you're, you know, dealing with multiple demands and you've got a lot of pressure on you to be as deliberate as she was. And so in a lot of my writing and a lot of my work, I, I really do focus on the need for us to be really clear about the kind of leader we need to be and want to be and be very deliberate in achieving that. So for her, uh, because of her personal uh, impact, I would pick her. Great. Yeah. And, I, and I'm sure that a lot of us do shape ourselves as leaders, as you say in your book, too, about how we, 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 we see and watch other leaders and we experience them, whether it be a positive or a negative thing. But then that actually does help shape us to be the leader we want to be. And we also see the leaders that we don't want to be like. And um, I think you're given a great example there of, of, of her. And I, and I know you talk about her in, in, in your book as well, which is really right. important. I'd love to hear a little bit more about your background. Yeah. What I'm doing now is, uh, it's interesting because if you were to look back, you know, 10, 20 years ago and say that this is what I'd be doing, I would not have believed you. Uh, I've done various things. When I got out of school, I ended up going into the U.S. Navy and served some time there as a, a hospital corpsman in the medical field. And that was a great experience. Got to spend some time with the U.S. Marines and do all kinds of stuff, be stationed in all different parts of the U.S. And then left there and ended up doing a bunch of different jobs in sales and marketing, including working in minor league baseball and professional sports, uh, the NBA, the NHL, 
doing all kinds of sponsorship sales and things like that. Uh, and then I ended up doing uh, for about 12 years, that was probably the longest place I was actually anywhere. I worked for a big pharmaceutical company selling drugs out of the back of my car, if you will, the legal way. And then I ended up doing from there going into my leadership training and consulting business because one of the things I learned is that uh, to your point, leadership is changing. And I noticed at the time that the, the world was changing and things were shifting and things were coming online and people needed to figure that out. So I launched that business. And then what happened is because I started getting a lot of my stuff online relatively easily because I have experience in the space, many of my peers were asking me how I was doing it and what was going on and how they could do it. And so for the last six or seven years, I've had a business where I help people, essentially speakers, trainers, coaches, and consults monetize their message online. And so that's been going really well. And then off of that, spun the podcast, Unleash the Awesome, that I started uh, three months ago. So that's where we are. Yeah, great. And so nowadays, uh, the digital side of things with leadership and so forth, I mean, how important is that for people today to be digital savvy? I think it's critical because the world's going that way. And if you're not going to go that way, I think you're missing out. I mean, if you look at all the big things that happen in the world these days, it's coming through someone who has control of a microphone and a camera and maybe Twitter or Instagram or something like that. So if you don't have a presence there, you're certainly going to put yourself at a disadvantage. And so I think it's critical that people start to figure out if they haven't already how to have a digital presence and jump into the conversation that's happening online because they have to build up a little bit of a repertoire so that if they need to take another job or maybe they're running for government or something and people go to look for information about them, if there's nothing out there, it's just as bad as having negative stuff out there. So you want to make sure that you have some, like there's a story being told about you online. You should probably be the one that's telling that story. And the only way to do that is to get online and start sharing some content. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Dave, the other thing I, I find with a lot of these is uh, that they have a LinkedIn profile or presence there, but they, they say that I, I don't do anything with it. I don't really do anything. Do, do they have to be not only just digital savvy, but do they need to be active in the digital world as well? In other words, they're doing posts and things like that. Do they have to do that? Yeah, I would recommend that they do. They don't necessarily need to create their own content, though, to start. One of the things that I think works really well is you're probably, if you're successful in the field that you're in, you're probably doing some reading of articles and research about your industry and your competitors and things like that. And so you're probably paying attention to that stuff anyway. So what you could do is share that information on LinkedIn and say, look, here's an article that I read and I think this is the impact that it will have on our industry or whatever. And just start positioning yourself as an authority or expert in that space. And one of the ways you do that is you take this content and you provide the so what for your audience or your industry. So it might be a general story that you read, or it might be a story that you read about something in another industry, but it could be something that might apply to your industry or situation. So you just say, hey, here's a cool article. So what that means to us or what that means to this industry is this. And that doesn't take a lot of time because like I said, you're probably digesting or reading some of this stuff anyway. So just take the extra minute to push the share button and then put your own perspective on it because that's how you position yourself as an authority or a thought leader in your industry. Yeah, I think it's, uh, I mean, anyone can go online and click like. I mean, that's that's pretty easy to do. But I think what you just shared there about resharing other people's uh, articles or comment um, posts and things like that, but putting your perspectives, adding value that way, uh, that I think is that's where the key is. It's, it's actually adding the value for sure. 
The next question I wanted to ask you was, who's your favorite leader? Now, this person could be alive or it could be from history. So who is your favorite leader and why? This is such a great question. My favorite leader is actually my dad, mainly because I've watched him navigate some very interesting things throughout his life. And he worked for his entire career, actually, for one company, he worked for uh, AT&T. And I forget how many years he worked there, but you know, he was there as the whole industry went from long distance to cell phones, to the internet and to all that stuff. And so he really had to learn how to adapt. And then he was a thought leader within that community as well. And so watching that, and then of course, trying to lead a family and he has three boys, I have two brothers. And it just turns out that I also have three boys of my own. But watching him navigate that and watching him continue to evolve, I think was always fascinating to me. And then the things that he would share with us were the things that he would share, that he shared with his teams and with his, his people at AT&T. And he would share those things with us as kids and say, hey, here's some things you need to learn or whatever. So I would say that, that he is definitely my, my favorite leader. If you're looking for somebody that you might know, I'm a big fan of, there's a military leader in the United States. His name is Stan McChrystal, uh, Stanley McChrystal. And he's got a lot of books out in the marketplace about leadership. I can't even remember what his most recent book is, but I like the way he's a thoughtful leader. And uh, even though he was in the military industrial complex in the United States for a really long time, he didn't let his thoughts about leadership stagnate. He continually evolved. And as the, you know, the U.S. presence in the military was evolving over time, his thoughts and his, his ideas also evolved. So Stan McChrystal would also be on that list. Yeah, great. So I, I like what you say there about the, the stagnant, don't, don't stagnate, but also because everything's still moving, right? So we need to yep. continue our thoughts and that. But I love also what you shared about your dad, right? I mean, there's, you know, somebody that you've learned from, somebody who's you know, really precious for you as well. And but being able to learn from them and see how they are as a leader with their own team, but then actually transfer that learnings as well sharing with his own personal team, his, his sons. And that, that's, that's pretty cool. Thank you for listening to this episode of Leadership is Changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsas. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change, inspiring executives and leaders to adapt and lead a bigger game in a fast-moving world. 